You have just entered the Rocket Metal Combat Podcast with Ralph Vieira, also known as Dr. Fuck, Ian Wiley, the Ayatollah of Alcohola, and Terrence Reedon, the Rock Sponge. Now spread those ear holes and let them turn your brain to mush. This is the Rocket Metal Combat Podcast. Hey everybody, it's me, Dr. Fuck from Thrash or Die, Ralph Vieira, and uh, this is another uh, episode of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Yeah, that's me in the intro, if you didn't know, and uh, yeah, I got my two wacky buddies with me again. We got here Terrence Reed and the Rock Sponge. It's and- Terrence, it's Terrence Reardon, R-E-A-R-D-O-N, Reardon. Can I just call you Terrence Rock Sponge? Oh, you can call me anything you like, but don't call me a piece of shit. Okay. I'll call you Love Muffin. How's that? <laughs> You're funny. <laughs> and uh, the, the Ayatollah of Alcohola, who just said, hey, guys, give me like a second. I got to go grab eight beers. Ian Wadley. Hey, how we all doing? Hey, I'm don't doing great. To, don't yeah. get so close to the mic, loudmouth. Uh, whatever. What, whatever, hey. Dr. Fuck. Hey, hey, enough out of you, you piece of shit. <laughs> hey, Ayatollah. Ayatollah, I salute you. I'm kicking ass, and Dr. Fuck, you're the king. Thank you. And by the way, Ian, uh, Ian you can call me a piece of shit. All right, all right. Uh, I'm a masochist. All right, so, uh, whoa, this week, as you already know by looking at the heading, we are going to talk about the mighty Motorhead. And... Uh, I'm going to let you guys uh, just tell me... Well, let me start, because I am the king, as uh, Terrence said. Uh, Terrence loves Sponge. Great, and, that makes me Prince. Okay, so uh, so the first time I ever heard of Motorhead uh, was actually seeing them live. Yes, there was a show at the Miami Baseball Stadium. I'm a little confused if it was the baseball stadium or the Orange Bowl. I'm pretty sure it was the baseball stadium. It was Hart. Uh, Blue Oyster Cult, Firefall, and an air band, which I'll um, describe what an air band is. And Motorhead was opening. Now, I've never heard of Motorhead. And what happened was that week or the, the weeks prior to the show, they would have a commercial on the radio for the album Ace of Spades and saying, oh, check out Motorhead uh, at the Miami Baseball Stadium, blah, blah, blah. Their very first U.S. appearance. And they would play like 10, 15 seconds of, they would play 10, 15 seconds of Ace of Spades. And uh, I was like, holy shit, man, we got to get there early. This sounds fucking awesome. Wow, that's like really heavy, fast stuff, you know? So uh, we went to the show, we got there early. And I do remember uh, while they were playing, the whole stadium was sitting down on the grass, except for these two guys without shirts like winging their shirts around knowing every single word to every single motorhead song which i'm sure those two guys were from england because at that time motorhead was already big in england but unknown here and uh i left that show on a fucking constant search which took me about a year maybe a little less than a year to find a motorhead album which i couldn't find a motorhead album anywhere until I went to this place called Ricky's Records, which is still there, by the way. 
and they had a copy of No Sleep Till Hammersmith. So that was the my first Motorhead album, and uh, to this day, it's my favorite. Uh, though my favorite studio is Overkill, and uh, that's how I discovered Motorhead. And then the second time I saw Motorhead, uh, they opened for Slayer and Overkill opened that show. South of Heaven tour, Motorhead was promoting rock and roll. Uh, that was awesome. Then the third time I saw him was in 1991 with Metal Church at a small club in Hallandale called the Button South, where I actually met everybody in Motorhead. Actually, uh, Wurzel may he rest in peace. Like actually hurt my hand when he shook it. I mean, he he had such a grip. He fucked up my hand. And uh, and the thing is, I met them all after the show, and I was like half deaf because I didn't wear earplugs. And if anybody had seen Motorhead live. They know they're the loudest fuck. There's two bands that I say are the loudest bands ever. is Motorhead and Black Sabbath. And uh, after that Button South show, I always remember to wear damn earphones for uh, earplugs for Motorhead. Anyway, when I met Lemmy, I said it to him. I said, Lemmy, I saw your very first show in, um, in Miami. And he's like, no, no, that was Motorhead's first show. I played here with Hulk Wynn, you know. So, uh... Then, you know, then I saw him at OzFest destroy every fucking band on OzFest that year. And uh, and then I saw him with Black Sabbath um, on the, I think, I think it was uh, the Bastards Tour. Uh, or if not, it was March or Die. Anyway, so that's my history of Motorhead. And I love Motorhead. I own every single release of Motorhead. I even have a box set of theirs. And uh, yeah, I have every single CD. I have like several vinyls, but... Every time Motorhead releases something, I love it. There's only two albums I have a problem with, and that is March or Die and Snakebite Love. Not horrible albums, but not that great either. Uh, so there you go. That's my uh, that's my Motorhead uh, stories. So, uh, Ian, tell us uh, how you discovered Motorhead. Uh, my first exposure to Motorhead was the Eat a Rich video. I mean, sorry, Eat the Rich. I saw on Headbangers Ball. And really loved the video, loved the song. Went out, bought the cassette. Uh, it was one of those, you know, cassette deals where played the shit out of side one, not so much side two. Played it a shitload for a couple months, and then kind of they fell off my radar. About four years after that, I got uh, Ace of Spades for a Christmas present, and really started getting into them. Uh, since then, they've become one of my favorite bands of all time. Uh, I know we're on video. I don't know if you guys can see, but I have the cover of the box set takes up almost all my my left arm. I'm a I'm That's a awesome. huge yeah. I'll, ass. I'll send you guys a clear picture of it. But uh, I am a huge huge Motorhead fan. Uh, and this this particular album we're going to review came into my radar probably in the mid '90s. Uh, I didn't have their whole discography yet, but I had a, a collection of all the stuff that was on the bronze label and it had two songs from this uh shine and uh, i got mine and uh they sounded real different like when i'm listening to it like everything else had a certain cohesive sound and then it got to this and uh, i was like man that just sounds way different than the others i started studying the history more and, and found out why it sounds different and in a little bit you're gonna find out if i like it or i don't so let's go to terrence see how motorhead came into his life uh, let's see. I heard of Motorhead, but I hadn't really heard many songs of theirs, with the exception of maybe uh, Ace of Spades and a few others over the years growing up, because I was 
listening to a lot of other bands as diverse from Iron Maiden to Pink Floyd to et cetera, et cetera. It wasn't until I went to see Motorhead in 1995, open for Black Sabbath on Sabbath's Forbidden Tour, that I saw the current lineup with um, Lemmy, Phil K- uh, Campbell, and um, Mickey D. And they were, as Ralph said, loud. And I was like, you know, blown away at Motorhead's performance, especially the way Lemmy played and performed his stage presence. He's just one of those cool as fuck rock stars. And shit, if there was a nuclear war, I think he would outlive Keith Richards as far as I'm concerned. My first Motorhead studio album, I actually did not buy until 2004, and that was Ace of Spades, obviously. And um, I loved that album. So then I went off and bought all the classic albums that were or some of the classic albums that were on the uh, bronze label and they were not um, and the first US release was Ace of Spades when Mercury Records decided to release them and then their second was um, No Sleep to, to Hammersmith which I had and that album kicked ass Iron Fist another classic as far as I'm concerned and then just the other day thanks to Monsieur Ian I've Finally heard another perfect day, which was their first album with an only album with Robbo Robertson, Brian Robbo Robertson, formerly of Thin Lizzy, on the lead guitar, replacing Fast Eddie Clark, who bailed on the band just as the Iron Fist tour began in the U.S. Anyways, and he went off to form the band Fastway. But um, another perfect day. You'll have to find out my opinion of it. And then there's a little fact. This was the band's final album for Mercury here in America. Who did squat for the band? Why? I don't know. But, you know, Motorhead should have gotten more publicity. But never mind. Uh, who wants to start the album? I will. All right. Like, I haven't, I haven't really talked about uh, Another Perfect Day. But I figure I will talk about it track by track. And how I discovered this album. How I first heard it. I will talk about it when I get to that track. But um, I want to start off the album with my favorite song. I think the best song on this album is the first song, Back at the Funny Farm. I love the hell out of this song. My favorite line, I really like this jacket, but the sleeves are much too long. Um, This song is just, I mean, yeah, the the beginning, the Ace of Spades type uh, bass, you know, it's just pure motorhead. This one is like, this album's very much a departure, but there is a lot of old school motorhead on it. This is one of them. Uh, Back at the Funny Farm, my favorite track off, track off the album. Okay, uh, Ian? <laughs> I am so glad that you said that because I love disagreeing with you. And this is one of my least favorite songs on the fucking You're album. You're a freaking moron. You need, you need to go to the Funny Farm. <laughs> All right, I'll tell you. The best thing about this fucking song is uh, the little cartoon uh, that comes with the album. If you have it in the in the booklet or in the album sleeve, there's a cartoon about the Funny Farm, and that's the best thing about this song. I think this is total filler, and 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 what a horrible way to start off the album and introduce your new guitar player. Um, this song, I mean, I mean, I don't absolutely hate it, but it, it just reeks of fucking filler from beginning wow. to end. To 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 me, to me, um, and uh, yeah. You. Yeah, it, only me, I guess. But uh, yeah, I would say this is probably one of the least, if not my least favorite songs on the album. Uh, what do you think, Terrence? Um, 
Back at the Funny Farm, which is the opening song on the album, is, was released in Europe and was actually the opening song on side two of the original U.S. vinyl release, I think it's a killer song, your typical motorhead rocker. And um, I think it's a great song. I have to disagree with you, Ian. Um, I've been of course listening you to the do. Album. Ha, very funny. Yeah, yeah. I've been listening take, to the album for... We're outside like always. Ah, uh, be quiet. There's oh, a few somebody I... jealous. Yeah, that's a, I stand alone. Do I have to Back call the, the ambulance? <laughs> Back at the Funny Farm, fucking rocks, man. I I've been living with this album for four days, and then that's one of the songs I play the most, along with another one, which was my introduction of the song. And there's another song that actually began the album, but I won't tell you what it is until we get to it. Back at the Funny Farm, fucking rules. The next song is Shine. Shine is another killer rocker. Great musicianship by um, Lemmy, Filthy Phil Taylor, and Robbo, who does an impeccable job on this track. And a lot of people underestimated the rhythm section of um, Lemmy and um, Filthy Phil. Because to me, when those guys played together, there was just a magic chemistry that was there during the band 70 you know when filthy phil was in the band for all those years and just it was just a, just an awesome song just a great tune and i'd like to hear what ralph thinks of shine shine rules this one fucking kicks ass again you know uh a classic motorhead sounding song um there's a video for it there's several videos they shot for this uh album and uh, I remember getting the videotape, uh, I forgot what it was called. There was a videotape in the 80s I bought. And it had Shine and a couple other uh, songs from this album and some songs from uh, the Ace of Spades album, which they made videos for. Shine is the more most hard-rocking of all the videos they released for this album. Uh, great, great, great song. And I believe, I'm, I may be wrong, but th isn't this song also on uh, No Remorse? I think it is. Um, great song. I love Shine. I'm gonna make you shine. All right, Ian. All right, now I love to piss you off again because uh, I I fucking love Shine. Uh, this this should have been what started off the fucking album. I mean, if you're gonna issue in, you know, a new era, a new lineup, a new guitar player, uh, this this is the way to do it because this is just classic from beginning to end. Uh, Robo or is it Robo or Robo? I don't fucking Robo. Robo, okay. Yeah. You say Robo, I say Robo. Um, anyway, he 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 does shine on this fucking track. Uh, keeps the Motorhead sound, you know, intact on this. Where it takes a lot of detours throughout the album, but right here, this is like this is Motorhead through and through. And I'm going to be very critical of Robo and Robo in general throughout this review. But here, that fucker shines. Next one is Dancing on Your Grave. Another solid song. Just good, good classic Motorhead. Just sounds like it, this would fit in on any of their other albums. It's like, okay, we're not missing a beat. Here we go. Interesting side note, this is where band Sepultura got their name from because Grave in, in Portuguese is Sepultura. And, and they took their name after this. Uh, just a solid, solid rocker. One, one I would love to see in the set list. What do you think, Terrence? Dancing on Your Grave, to me, is another excellent song, I might add. And um, 
so far from was living with this album for a few days i've actually you know i don't want to spoil anything but this album to me is just like most of your motorhead albums of that period you know and on top of that i forgot to add the production on it was done by tony blatt the same Platt, the same dude that did the uh, engineering on Back in Black by ACDC and Highway to Hell. I think that's one of the reasons why the album sounded so great. And Dancing on Your Grave, I can dance to that tune and boogie, and I'm not a dancer. I think it's a great song. What do you think, Ralph? Uh, I think it's a really good one, too. Uh, I believe this one's also on No Remorse. Um, yeah, Dancing on Your Grave is a great track. Uh, not really much I can add to it and what you guys already said. And uh, unfortunately, yeah, Ian, I agree with you. Um, so <laughs> the next track, uh, I believe Motorhead recorded it again. They redid this song on a future album. Uh, God, I don't know why I do- can't remember it offhand. But if anybody bought, like I own the Lemmy, uh, the movie Blu-ray, if you put it in the menu, is this song Rocket. And also they made a video for it, like the newer version. Rocket to me is uh, so fucking catchy. I remember this was the one song like, when I first bought this album back in the day, which was weird, uh, Terrence, because I remember Back of the Funny Farm was the first track on side one. So I don't know. Maybe I had an import. I used to shop at import stores. Anyway, so Rocket was, uh, I remember, you know, playing the album and thinking to myself, man, this is kind of like a real catchy song in the vein of I Won't Pay Your Price from uh, Overkill, the Overkill album, where they, you know, it's a little different. And it's catchy, but it rocks. It fucking rocks. I love Rocket. And um, Terrence, what do you think of Rocket? Rocket? Uh, nothing more to be said. I, I, You hit the nail right on the head what I think of the song. I think it rocks. Rocket rocks. That's all I got to say. Uh, Ian, what's your opinion on Rocket? Oh, this fucking turns my fucking stomach because I fucking love Rocket. Uh, it's actually one, though, that kind of slid under the radar on me. I don't know how I missed it on the album, but I really dis- rediscovered it watching the Lemmy movie. And I think it is a great, it's on It's on the, the menu. And there's a little montage, I believe, in the movie uh, where they're playing this. And I was just like, it, I really got into it when I'm watching the movie. I'm like, what fucking album is this on? Because it, like I said, it went under my radar. And it made me go back and grab this album again. Um uh, and Terrence, you brought up uh, Tony Platt doing the production on this. That it, that is one thing that I will say I'm not too keen on is the production on this. I think it's a little too clean, especially for Motorhead. And and he's done some albums like I, I believe he did uh, Flick of the Switch, which isn't one of my favorite ACDC you, albums. You out of your mind? Hey, my my favorite Brian Johnson is uh, for those about the rock. So whatever. Uh, he also did. Uh, Celtic Frost, Cold Lake, if that fucking tells you anything. Uh, uh, yeah. Lock Up the Wolves by Dio, he co-produced. And, yeah, and, and that could have been raw or two, but... Uh, it was better than Dream Evil. Eh, I, I disagree. Uh, and if there's any Celtic Frost out, fans out there, all I'm going to say is Cherry Orchards. This is the guy that produced Cherry Orchards. And he also engineered Back in Black, don't forget that. Yeah, yeah, well, he was the engineer. This, this is where he's a producer... And while it's not horrible production, it's just a little too shiny for me. Uh, I, I there are pl- there's plenty of great stuff to say about this album, but it could be a little bit more raw. But I think a lot of that is Robo Robo's fucking uh, 
influence on this, but I'm sure we're all going to get into his effect on the band later on. But uh, as as far as Rocket, great fucking track. Terrence, what do you think about One Track Mind? Oh, okay. One Track Mind. I fucking adore this song. This was actually the first song from the album I heard, thanks to VH1 Classic airing this video when it was airing videos. Now it's all a bunch of 80s movies bullshit, but I think One Track Mind is a fucking killer track. You know, one of their best songs, just the way it goes, the Lemmy's chorus, if I can imitate it here. One Track Mind! Sheesh, I'm going to have to drink some water after that, but he just kicked ass on it the, this you know robbo's guitar souls just rocked the song just fucking rules and actually it is my favorite song in the album it's probably it's because the, it was the first song from the album that i heard a number of years ago and i still dig it many like 11 years after i first heard it in 2003 what do you think ralph of one track mind one track mind reminds me of those really getting fucked up days where me and my buddies used to get drunk and high and watch Night Flight on the USA Network. Hell yeah! And they would play One Track Mind. And that's the first time I saw the... I heard this song. I actually had a video uh, recorder, and I taped it on VHS. And I didn't own... uh, I didn't own this album yet, but oddly enough, I heard another song before this one. So this is technically the second song I heard off Another Perfect Day before I bought it. And uh, yes, the, to me, that guitar solo, it's like the longest guitar solo on this album. And damn, man, Brian Robertson, which I prefer to call him from Thin Lizzy, uh, rips. I mean, going ape shit on this song. Uh, great, great song. I love One Track Mind. Um, a very standout track on this album. I love It's a great song, man. How about you, Ian? Uh, this kind of reminds me, I don't, I don't know if you... Uh... If you're a child of the 70s, uh, there was a commercial where if you littered an Indian cried a single tear. And uh, I'm reminded of that right now because I have to agree with fucking both of you. This is a great fucking song. Uh, Got a great groove. Kind of reminds me of like Metropolis or or America, one of my favorite songs off of uh, of Iron Fist. It just, it's got a, just a great fucking slow groove to it. And I never, ever get tired of this. I would put this on any fucking mixtape you're going to make for somebody playing some fucking Motorhead. Because uh, this is just a great fucking track. Ralph, what do you think about the title track, Another Perfect Day? Another Perfect Day is a little bit uh, different for Motorhead, but it's still a really good Motorhead track. Uh, you know, it's up there. Uh uh, does it deserve to be the title track? No, I thought, I think this album should have been called Back at the Funny Farm. Oh, God. <laughs> How about go back into the studio and do another B-side? How about Die, You Bastard? Yeah, I get that a lot. Yeah, I'm not talking about the song. All right, so, yeah, um, yeah uh, uh, Another Perfect Day. Uh, it's a good song, though. It's not a bad song. I, I don't think there's a bad song on this whole album. I think this whole album... Just smokes another perfect day is a good example. It doesn't I don't know for me it's kind of weird to call the album after this song. I mean there's I mean there's a lot of better songs titles on here uh, like Die You Bastard and and Marching Off to War and Back at the Funny Farm and 
one-track mind. I think would have suited the album a little more than Another Perfect Day, which I don't know if the band had anything to do with naming this album after that song. But uh, Terrence, what do you think of Another Perfect Day? The title track is another great song. I have to agree with you, Ralph, because the song just kicks ass. Strange, I don't know if it was either Mercury Records or Bronze who decided to call the album Another Perfect Day or Lemmy in one of his drinking drug binges. But I think the album should have been called either uh, Tales of Glory or Back at the Funny Farm. I agree on that one. Or even call it uh, Die You Bastard. I, I prefer those titles, by the way. <laughs> and another... The title track to Another Perfect Day, a very good song. What do you think of about it, you, Ian, you scurvy bastard? Um, I, I love this. I, I love this song. Real bluesy. Uh, Robo Robo definitely shines on this motherfucker. Brian Robinson, whatever the fuck you want to call him. Uh, really good, different song. Does it deserve to be the title track? No, the title should have said, uh, hey, fucking nine other songs better than fucking Back at the Funny Farm. I said it, motherfucker. But uh, I uh, earned that title, motherfucker, when it comes to you. Ian. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, yeah. If you ask my mom, she'll give another answer. She was just being polite. Uh, okay, I couldn't get it up, but still, <laughs> I, I was trying. Yeah, well, yeah. A lot of people can't concentrate when I'm staring at them. Um, <laughs> yeah, and videotaping me. No <laughs> it, it's all about posture. Uh, but I love this song. Um, it's great. I, I think it's a great title track. It's very different, but it's very representative of why this was such a different and unique era. And I've got nothing bad to say about Another Perfect Day. Uh, next song I'd like to go into, which is Marching Off to War. Great, great Motorhead song. Uh, this is another one, uh, you know, it's just letting you know that it's still Motorhead, even though it's, you know, different lineup, a little bit different vibe, a little bit shinier fucking production, but they're still fucking Motorhead. And uh, Marching Off to War is just another classic juggernaut in the Motorhead catalog. Terrence, what do you think? Um, Marching Off to War is an excellent uh, number. I have to agree on that one. It's an excellent song, keeps up the pace. Most Motorhead songs are up-tempo anyways. There's some detours into the slower things. But then again, if Motorhead were doing, like, ballads and, you know, 20-minute pieces, then get that with the firing squad. But Motorhead, you know, Lemmy is Motorhead, and Marching Off to War was another perfect example of Lemmy singing about war and making a kick-ass with his hell, the way of his infamous hell-raising vocal delivery. What do you think of uh, Marching Off to War? Ralph. I think it's a good song, but it's nowhere near as good as Back at the Funny Farm. Oh, uh, shit. But it is I a good agree. song. It is a good song. I'm not gonna not gonna bash it. I can't bash any song off this album. There's some I like more than others, and uh, most I like more than Marching Off to War, but I don't hate the song, as I said. Oh, uh, you're driving to drink. Ugh. Yeah, look. Now, keep, keep drinking there, Lushy. I'm ready. <laughs> 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 All right, so uh, so uh, I'll go to the next one. Uh, the next song is the very first song I ever heard off this album, and that was there used to be a radio show. I mean, it was a local radio station ha- had a show. I forgot what it was called, but it was a show that played like new releases. It was like on a Sunday night, and that night they played. Oh, we got new Motorhead, and they played. I got mine. 
And I remember hearing this song, and the, my thought was like, they sold out. This is like commercial as fuck. What the fuck? This ain't Motorhead. It really blew my fucking mind how different it was. Um, you know, it's very melodic. And I just did not like this one at all. And now I like it a lot. Not as much as Back of the Funny Farm, but I really do like this song. And again, it's another one that they made a video for. Like three three songs they made a video for. Uh, Shine, One Track Mine, and I Got Mine. Uh, I Got Mine is an awesome, awesome song. Because being young and the metalhead I was and the big, you know, I was a huge Motorhead fan at the time of the earlier stuff. They kind of threw me back and I didn't like it. I thought they sold out till I heard One Track Mine. And I thought, and I even thought One Track Mine was different too. It was like, Man, this is uh Motorhead. This album is fucking weird. But you know, I have Motorhead has this uh, power over me that when I finally did track down another perfect day, I turned it around. I was like, okay, one track mine, and I got mine. It's really different, but I'll take a chance. I'll buy this album. Went home, put it on, and then I heard the amazing back at the Funny Farm, and I was <laughs> like, holy right. shit, man, this rules! It. Especially this song. After I was done listening to it, I was like. Man, good thing I'm not an alcoholic and I get it. Hey, I'm right here. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Uh, I got mine. Uh, Great track. I liked it better when it was originally called I Was Made for Loving You. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Uh, No, I I do. I love this song, but when I heard it, I I don't have it right in front of me right now, but I had a, a Greatest Hits compilation that was from the Bronze Era. You know, it, it's, it's an import. Um, but I was like, what the fuck is this? This sounds, this does not sound like fast fucking Eddie Clark. Uh, so at first I was the same as you, Ralph. I was like, what is this shit? But. You must have been sober. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And I'll tell you what, that was the worst fucking day of my life. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, but as, as time has gone by, I, I really appreciate it. And I, I, I dig it, and I, and it's really that's what Robo Robo Brian Robinson brings to the band on this particular album, and and I love it now. I think it's a great fucking track. What do you think, Terrence? I got mine was the song that actually opened the U.S. Mercury Records version of uh, Another Perfect Day. Funnily enough, because I saw a picture of the album on YouTube, uh, eBay. And also on the U.S. cassette version, it opened the same configuration. Um, I got mine, an excellent song, a little bluesy by Motorhead standards, but an excellent song. I think it's because I just recently got into the album. That's why I like it sort of right away. And <clears throat> Brian Robo Robinson's Robertson's sorry solo at the end where he goes to Sly guitar, I'm like, what in the hell? He I didn't think he I don't think he used Sly guitar in Thin Lizzy, but with Motorhead he was playing that slide shit and I'm like, what the hell? It was my first time hearing slide guitar from uh Robbo and that slide solo at the end was just like, holy shit. And then at, and in the video they cut the song out before that ending slide solo. I don't know why. But to me it was one of the best parts of the song and I got mine as an excellent song and I like the British track listing of Another Perfect Day better than the original U.S. That's usually the case. For some reason, when the track listing is different in the U.S. from the England version, usually 
the the you the England version is better. The only one I can say that I am aware of that I do not agree with was the British Steel. Uh, how I mean, Grinder is so I I expect to hear Grinder after Metal Gods, and when I finally heard the the England version, I was like, what the hell? Like Breaking the Law was after Metal Gods, but it, I gotta admit, it is a better opener to have Rapid Fire than. Uh, breaking the law, and the same thing I can say about the Beatles. All the Beatles American albums suck. Uh, the track listing is much better in England. Okay, uh, and the next song is Tales of Glory. Oh man, I love, love, love this one. Uh, again, different but cool. Um, took me a while to really get into the last two songs, believe it or not, because I thought you know the titles of these songs were so cool. That, you know, I thought I was going to get it offhand. But it's a grower. This album's a grower. A lot of these songs were a grower. Like, back when I first heard it, I figured, I thought, eh, this ain't, like, uh, one of the better Motorhead albums. But now I think it is. It's definitely in my top three of favorite Motorhead albums. Holy uh, shit. Yes. T Tales of Glory. Uh, at the end, I'll, I'll tell you what my three favorite Motorhead albums are. Or, well, maybe top five. I can think of three I like more. Uh, Tales of Glory, I love it. Uh, Ian? Well, first of all, I would, I'd like to touch back on what we just talked about with uh, alternate track listings. Uh, and you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, a lot of times, for some reason, the, the European versions are a lot better. And sometimes the mixes are a lot better. Like, uh, I love Slide It In by Whitesnake. Has a totally separate mix for the European release, which I think is far superior to the U.S. mix. And then you have different track listings. Like, I remember, because uh, I was a huge fan when I got the European version of Nelson. Um, After the Rain was the first song, you know. But then you get the U.S. version, and it's Love and Affection. Uh, boy, what a difference. Did it change that classic fucking album? Wow. <laughs> uh, but back Were to you in that video? Yes, yes, yes. They, they allowed that album in England? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But back to Motorhead and Tales of Glory. Um, this is where, unfortunately, I think the album starts to taper off. Uh, I, I find this a, a, a filler track. And uh, it's not horrible. I mean, it's still Motorhead, but there's just, you know, like, like I do with every review, I go back and listen to the album no matter how many times I've heard it. And there was just nothing that stuck out about this, like good or bad. It was just like, you know, it's just there. You know, it's like sex with your mom. I mean, you're still going to nut, but, you know, it's like, you know, she's filing her nails while I'm going at it. So, wow. yeah. Well, I do agree. It's better than, uh, it's not as good as Back at the Funny Farm. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, well, I'll, I'll give it a nudge over that. Well, I don't, it's probably on par with Back at the Funny Farm. It, uh, they should have called this song Back to the Filler, because that's what it is. Ouch. Uh, Terrence, what do you think of Tales of Glory? Uh, Tales of Glory. I have to agree with uh, Dr. Fuck on that one. Of it's course you do, you kiss ass. Kiss his fuck <laughs> Shut ass. the fuck up, asshole. I like the tune, okay? It's one of my favorites on the album. How's that for those marbles there, uh, Ayatollah? <laughs> uh, Tales of Glory fucking rules. Kicks ass. There's nothing more I can say for it. And I do have one more thing to say about uh, track listings. Cassette... Cassettes had track listings that were all over the fucking place. I mean, sheesh. Why not stick with the vinyl? Oh, yeah. They didn't want overlong sides. Well, screw them. Leave albums alone. Anyways, 
I digress. Tales of Glory just fucking rules, man. And I'll start the next track. But I have to say this, and it's reference to Ian, and it's one of my favorite songs in the album. Die, you bastard. Die, you bastard. Fucking rules. Kicks ass. Rocks out. Lemmy's on fire. Uh, Filthy Phil kicking more ass. Robbo delivering the goods. What do you have to say about Die, you bastard. Dr. Fuck. Die, you bastard. Fucking rules. I love Die, you bastard. Uh... At first, I didn't really get it. I mean, I remember when I first bought the album and I saw the title, Die You Bastard, I was like, oh, this has got to rule. And it didn't really uh, ca- uh, didn't really catch on to me till much later on, till I really got to appreciate this album uh, way later on, after, like, you know, the, the mid to late 80s. Like, around the time uh, Rock and Roll came out is when I... It, another Perfect Day finally caught on, because there was a time around that time when... I couldn't stop listening to this album, mainly because of the first song on it that's called Back at the Funny Farm. <laughs> oh, Christ. So, so um, yeah, I, I love this fucking album, and uh, I love the way it ends, Die You Bastard. And um, I have this box set that has, like, just about every song on this album live, uh, which I wish they there was a video. There probably is a video somewhere out there of this tour, which I would love to get my hands on because it's so special. Uh, Ian, what do you think of Die You Bastard, you bastard? Uh, yeah. Uh, Die You Bastard uh, was actually uh, the second choice for my first name after the nurse shot down the piranha that shoot through your diaphragm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's what I told uh, your mom and name you. Yeah, exactly. Before uh, I went to get that pack of cigarettes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you never came back. Ian, um, I am your father. <laughs> uh, That's not true, David. And I'm not proud. <laughs> uh, Absolutely. Die, you bastard. Uh, maybe I need to listen to this for another fucking 20 years so we can catch up in our age range. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it, it just, it, it's another one. It, it, it's not horrible, but just nothing stuck out about it. And I thought it was a a, a bad way to end a, a pretty fucking decent album, in my opinion, for Motorhead. Um, I'd also like to mention, I have the uh, the two-disc edition of this, which uh, ends with the B-side to I Got Mine, which is Turn You Round Again, uh, which to me is more filler. So it's like it had had an even more of a fucking boring ending to the album. But it also includes a live concert with Robo from 83, I believe, in Manchester, England which uh, isn't too bad, but I'll get into that when we do our summary of the whole album. Uh, so who would like to go first on their summary of Another Perfect Day? Well, I will. Um, I'll just say that that live show, I, I think the production's pretty weak on it, but still, it's just the fact that it exists, like a show with uh, Robertson. It, it, to me, I, I love that show. I listen to it a lot. It is in my iPod, but the, the, the production could have been much better. Kind of thin. Uh, Lemmy went on to say that, you know, he wasn't really happy with Brian Robertson in the band because at one point when he was in the band, he dyed his hair pink and he would go on stage. He would go on stage with uh, shorts on. And then he said, like, then he said when he left Motorhead, he grew his hair back out. Things didn't really work out. And yeah, and soon after he left, uh, Filthy was out and they got the amazing Pete Gill who uh, is very underrated, amazing drummer, did amazing work on Orgasmatron. 
and and the No Remorse tracks. Um, but uh, just the summer, I love Another Perfect Day. If I'm gonna tell you my very my favorite Motorhead albums, top five, I would say number one is excluding uh, No Sleep to Hammersmith because that's a live album. But uh, studio albums, my favorite, Overkill. My second favorite, believe it or not, Bastards. Uh, my third, Iron Fist. My fourth would be Orgasmatron. And my fifth would be Another Perfect Day. But then there's Sacrifice, which I love a lot. They have so many killer fucking albums. But uh, Sacrifice is definitely... Oh, We Are Motorhead is another very, very killer uh, album. And I love uh, Aftershock a lot, too. Uh, so all I can say is I love the fuck out of Motorhead. Long live Lemmy. He is a god to me. And um, very inspirational uh, guy, you know. I'm, you know. I can tell he's a little more inspirational than Ian. Uh, <laughs> but um, I just think the guy... I mean, I read that book you have, Ian, White Line Fever. and uh, Yes, great book. Great book. I mean, Lemmy saw the Beatles in, before the Beatles were famous, before the Beatles had an album. He saw it at the cavern, and he was talking about... I love how he was saying, you know, the Rolling Stones are like the bad boys of rock and roll. But he said the Rolling Stones all went to college. And they're all college students from London, where the Beatles were from the streets. And John Lennon was in a gang, and he saw John Lennon at a show... Uh, jump off stage and beat the fuck out of this guy, but he didn't have his glasses on, and he beat he beat the wrong guy up until they told him, no, it's not him, it's the other guy. So he went over there and beat that guy up. So, you know, the, the, <laughs> be- the Beatles were like, you know, ruffians where the Stones weren't, but as history shows, uh, it's the other way around. Everybody claimed the Rolling Stones are bad boys rock and roll, and the Beatles aren't, but, you know, in retrospect, Lemmy was there. Lemmy even knew... Music before there was an Elvis Presley. I mean, the guy is a legend. And uh, all hail Lemmy. And check out the movie Eat the Rich. Pretty damn funny. I have it on DVD. Pretty cool. My summary of Another Perfect Day, it's a phenomenal album. You know, I've only heard very few uh, Motorhead albums and a lot of singles, but not ever owned <clears throat> many Motorhead albums. But, but Lemmy is... In my view, Lemmy is God. The Rolling Stones are a bunch of fucking pussies. They're not the world's greatest rock and roll band. They're the biggest pussies. I mean, Led Zeppelin and um, The Who and The Beatles were he- more hellraisers than The Stones. Mick and Keith, they're a pimple stain compared to Lemmy. Long live Lemmy. God bless Lemmy. Lemmy would kick Mick Jagger's ass in a street fight. No contest. Well, who would And uh Exactly. Ian, what do you think of uh, King Lemmy and Motorhead? Hail Lemmy. All right. Uh, well, if I'm going to summarize this, I'm going to go on a fucking uh, Dr. Fuck-esque lengthy diatribe here. Uh, for this album, okay, little backstory. Fast Eddie Clark left after they recorded a cover of Stand By Your Man by Tammy Wynette um, with Wendy O. Williams of the Plasmatics. Fast Eddie Clark thought it was fucking made a mockery of the band. It was a joke. I was good friends with Motorhead and they called me up and they said, Hey, you know, who should we get as a replacement? And I said, well, I know this guy named Tommy Thayer who will dress up <laughs> like fast Eddie Clark. You can put the gun belt on him and, and he'll, he won't have his own style. He'll just play like fast Eddie Clark and it'll all work out. But, uh, 
you know, he passed up. He's like, no, black and blue is going to set the world on fucking fire. So I'm going to stay with black and blue. And then after that, um, I've, I've read reports that originally Lemmy wanted Lips from Anvil to be the new guitar player, but he turned it down because Anvil was just starting to take off at that point. Uh, they were doing very well outside the States, decided not to join. And that's when they got uh, Robo. Robo actually finished the tour for Iron Fist. And he signed a contract, uh, actually. That was just for one album. But I have a lot of issues with fucking Robo. He just seems like a Robo, fucking Brown, whatever. Uh, seems like a total fucking douchebag. Uh, how in the fuck do you leave Thin Lizzy? I mean, you got, got one. fired. Yeah, yeah, because he's a fucking asshole. But I mean, Phil Phil Lino almost kicked his ass on more than one occasion. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought this was my fucking summary. Anyway, Terrence is helping you out there, buddy. I know. I'm kidding. I'm drunk. That's why I'm the asshole. (laughs) He's squeezing the sponge. (laughs) Ooh, ooh. I I think I feel it on my back. Um, But uh, you know, you got one of the great rock and roll poets in Mr. Phil Lynette. You got Scott Gorham on your other side, and you still fucking find a way to fuck that up. But as a drunken Irishman, I can see how it happens. He was from uh, Scotland. Yeah, that too. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, you know, he came into the band. He refused. The, uh, we haven't talked about this. He refused to play a lot of Motorhead standards like Ace of Spades, Overkill. There was actually a near riot in Germany where in Germany, Motorhead is as big as David Hasselhoff and racial you know, purism. And, you know, just pissed the fans off because he would not play fucking classic Motorhead. He would come out in ballet shoes. <laughs> no, no. I'm, not, I'm not kidding. This was his stage attire. He would come out in ballet shoes. And I think, rather you're mistaken, on the pink hair, he wore pink shorts. Like like like, like, like pink gym shorts. And you know 80s-style gym shorts that are cut up the middle? You know, like look like something a fucking chick would wear. Well, so he, did, wearing... he did dye his hair pink, though. He really okay. Did. Well, it wouldn't fucking surprise me, but he wore ballet shorts, uh, ballet shoes, pink shorts, and then on top of that, he fucking uh, you know won't play classic fucking Motorhead songs. So what a fucking prick! You know, who are you to like try to change the whole history of the band? You know, he's no better than fucking Sammy Hagar, fucking joining Van Halen, and then. Won't play any Dave songs on the fucking fifty one fifty tour because you can't. Well, come and, on. Uh, at least at least he released another perfect day. And it wasn't fifty one fifty, man. Right? No, I I agree. It's better, but he tried to change the whole history of the band. Like, uh, even in interviews where it's like it was almost like he sought beneath him to join Motorhead because he's a more elevated musician, and he was a different type of player. And after this album, uh, both both. Robo Robo Brian Robertson and Filthy Animal Taylor would quit Motorhead and they went on to form a band called Operator, which went nowhere. I don't they didn't, didn't even release an album. But uh no, just what the gall. You know, what gall to you know replace somebody but you won't honor their history. There's a lot of shit I love about this album, but you know, as a as a person, I'm like, what a piece of shit. And what did he do afterwards? I mean, really nothing. He finally released a studio album uh, two years ago, and I was all excited. I was like, oh, man, I might check this out because I love his work in fucking uh, Thin Lizzy. I-, I love this album. And it was ju- it was average at fucking best, in my opinion. So what a, what a waste of talent. And uh, that, that 
but Motorhead as a whole love fucking Motorhead. I mean, life changing band. Lemmy is a fucking god. Uh, Overkill, Ace of Spades, Bomber, uh, Iron Fist, uh, Rock and Roll. Rock and Roll now is one of my favorites of all time. The title track is probably my top five Motorhead songs of all time. And I hate that you fucking brought it up because I love fucking Sacrifice. What a fucking great fucking album. Uh, I love pretty much every Maiden album. Aftershock is a great album. Uh, one before World is Yours is a great album. Probably if I had to pick least favorite, and I hate that we agree, would be like March or Die and 1916. Definitely aren't my favorites. Well, I love 1916. Yeah, well, the production kind of, it, it, once again, it, it's kind of like this album, a little bit too clean on the production, but there's some great, you know, no voices in the sky, I'm so bad, baby, I don't care. There, There is some great songs on that, but the production, to me, leaves a little to be desired. Uh, but they are just something you can fucking believe in, something you can get behind. Lemmy is no fucking bullshit. Uh, a, a, a true fucking rock star. I love what Dave Grohl said, you know, while Keith Richards is on it. And I love the fucking Stones. I worship the Stones. But, like, he brings, like Keith Richards on a fucking jet plane and fucking Lemmy lives in a shitty apartment in fucking Los Angeles and he's constantly writing the next Motorhead song while Keith Richards is living off the fucking past. Uh, great fucking band. They deserve every bit of fucking respect, and they should be a thousand times bigger than they are. I fucking love Motorhead, and that's why they take up my left fucking arm. I love them. All right, so uh, another thing I wanted to bring up, uh, you were talking about 1916. There is a song that didn't make the album from the sessions called Eagle Rock, which I highly recommend everybody get on YouTube and punch that one up. It should be on YouTube. Eagle Rock is a, one of my favorite. It, it's definitely like my favorite B-side. Uh, along with Too Late, Too Late. As we're doing this show, uh, last night, uh, Tommy Ramone, the last of the original Ramones, passed away. And to me, uh, I equate Motorhead with the Ramones. There are two bands that just are the real deal, man. They're, the Ramones were the real deal to me, as as well as um, Motorhead. And Lemmy, as you know, loved the Ramones so much that he wrote a song about the Ramones called Ramones. And uh, they both have that same swagger, that same, you know, we're fucking rock and roll. And I just love when Lemmy walks out on stage, he looks at the crowd, and he goes, we are rock and roll, we are Motorhead, and we're going to kick your ass. That says it all right there. Even before one note, Motorhead is the real deal. They are, along with uh, ACDC with Bon Scott, the real, to me, the greatest rock and roll bands. Are that they're 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 the real thing, you know. And Bon Scott was the real thing. What he sang, he meant. And uh, and same thing with Lemmy, man. I mean, they're both fucking legends. And uh, and that's it, man. That's uh, our discussion on another perfect day and our thoughts on Motorhead. And uh, is there anything you guys want to add as far as like you know, uh, you know, where they can reach us and stuff like that, Ian? Yeah, I would like to add, when you click on Podbeam, if you go to the right-hand side, there's a devil. You click on that devil, and you go to our Facebook page. Please leave all your questions, comments, you know, whatever whatever you want to say, whatever you want to hear, please join. We, we're going to let anybody become a member that wants to become a member of the Facebook page. 
and I want to thank everybody because we are doing great out the fucking gate. And it's all thanks to you guys listening. And we just want to keep bringing great fucking episodes, make you motherfuckers laugh, make you go revisit some albums maybe you've heard, maybe you haven't heard, maybe you haven't heard in a fucking while. Uh, this is this is for you guys. We have a fucking blast, and we just want to reach out to other fucking hard rock and metalheads and, uh, you know, give you something to fucking laugh at and something to rock and roll to. What do you say, Terrence? I concur with you, uh, Ayatollah of Alcoholica Ian. This show, I'm very happy that we're doing so well just three weeks into our existence. You got you, you fans of our show, I really l- love you very much from the bottom of my heart. I appreciate your comp, your kind compliments, suggestions, um, you know, enjoying our uh, differing points of view on things. And, um, also forgot to mention that Ian does love back <laughs> back at the funny farm, but that's another story for another no, day. No, I do not. No, I do not. Thank you very much, folks. And uh, more subscribers, the merrier. And keep on tuning into more episodes of Rock and Metal Combat because we will combat all the podcasts in the world. Long live Rock and Metal Combat podcast. Ralph, you get the last word. Okay, and I just want to say, Terrence, I'm very impressed. This is the first show we ever had where you didn't sidetrack and talk about Genesis and Pink Floyd. Ah, damn it, I was going to say that. That was awesome, man. Terrence, (laughs) I don't know how you did it, but I'm very impressed. I I would also like to mention we also have a YouTube channel, uh, which is a great version of the podcast with some pictures in the background, and we put that up a little bit later than uh than the regular uh volumes that go up on pod on podbeam but uh, it's just another way to enjoy it and uh and terrence has a great uh video for studio on that channel too uh no i don't <laughs> but he will I'm refraining uh no i'm saving that for my own channel tjr rock sponge either that or my own channel terrence reardon on facebook i yeah. mean youtube sorry so if you want to get your Sasudio on, follow that link. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much again for uh, enlightening me and enlightening the planet. Am I saying that right? Enlightening? Yeah, enlightening. Enlightening. Yeah, but, but you spelled it wrong. Yeah, I spelled it wrong with my <laughs> mouth. <laughs> A lot like your mommy. And anyway, all right, so, uh, so next time... Uh, we don't know what we're going to talk about, but uh, we will talk about it for sure. That's for sure. This is the Ayatollah Rock and Roller saying nobody likes a quitter. And this is the Rock Sponge saying, take no prisoners, take no shit from nobody, and long live rock and roll. Good night, ha. All right, good night, everybody, and fuck the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Rolling Stone magazine. Bye. Sayonara. <laughs>